tonight on Whiskey Waffle. As it turns out, we got pished and... Yeah, which never happens at these recording <laughs> sessions, never. Chunky, bubbery, sea mammal. That's me in a bath. Let's slurp. Should be a catchphrase, let's slurp. That's this episode on Whiskey Waffle, the podcast. I mean, cast. Top of the morning to you, Nicholas. Twiddly dear potatoes. Potato, potato, potato. <laughs> to be sure, to be... No, no. To e- be e- sure. We have scared away not only all our Irish listeners, we have scared away every listener with that terrible, terrible impersonation to start things off. But it is St. Paddy's Day. Happy St. Paddy's Day, everybody. Happy St. Paddy's Day. Woo! Yeah, um, I hope you're celebrating with a dram of something Irish. I know that Ted and I certainly are. Indeed, indeed. Actually, we're kind of doubly celebrating with something Irish because well, as we're recording this, this is a few days before St. Paddy's, um, and we've got some, um, not patties in the glass, I've been making this mistake all night, powers in the glass. Ah, so we, we're talking here about the uh, comic series by uh, Michael, uh, Brian Michael Bendis. Um, shit, I need to... Is, is <laughs> if, you're gonna, if you're going to make really niche jokes, yeah, Ted, yeah. you need to get it right. Oh, he's just got a weird... Yeah, it is Brian Michael. It's, he's got a weird triple bunger name. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 powers the whiskey. So we're, we're having some Irish whiskey as we record. And on St. Paddy's Day, when you guys are listening to this, um, we are... Going to be pissed. Well, <laughs> this is true. Because of Irish whiskey or triple distilled whiskey in general, we're running a tasting night at the chapel with lots of uh, triple distilled drops, including this one here. So, yeah, we're feeling like we've underrepresented the Irish whiskey scene in the years in this podcast. So today we're dedicating an entire episode all about the history of Irish whiskey. Indeedy, indeedy, we are. Yeah, and um, a couple of other bits and pieces that we should cover here at the outset. Um, first of all, my name is Nick. Oh, yeah, my name is Ted. Yeah, I just realized we've, that. We forgot that. We forgot that. This is the Whiskey Waffle Podcast. We're great, um, aren't we? There's no point trying to figure out what episode number this is because we keep trying to fit more episodes in. We had a really good attempt. We've actually recorded a whole episode <laughs> that <laughs> you guys will never hear. <laughs> Um, our Patreons have heard a little bit of a snippet of it, um, but just for you guys out there at home, um, have a listen to this, and you're going to figure out exactly why we did not release this episode. Only been drinking six drams in the first episode. <laughs> yeah, I know. We, we've gone pretty easy on the second one, whereas the first episode was like... Well, we need to try all of our review episodes. All of our award... We need to try all of our awards episodes, Yes. Yes. Let's talk about Briggsy. All right. So who is Briggsy? His name's Ian Briggs. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's Michael Briggs. Mm-hmm. Ian Briggs tries to too. Sorry. <laughs> so Michael Briggs. If you've enjoyed this. No. I want to go that way. Where am I going next? Ah, oh, God. Inclusion statement. It's whiskey. <laughs> He's pretty loose when he puts his mind to it. So are we, Teddy boy. So are we. Yeah, yeah, that's um <clears throat> pretty self-explanatory. That's that's slightly embarrassing. Yeah. So Iron House is coming back in a future episode. Um, we um have already sent out some of these drams to Patreons. They probably drunk it a long time ago. We might yeah. need to send them out a little bit more. Yeah. But yeah, the um that episode all about Iron House is coming up. But you know what? I think Spilsy would be proud of us. Yeah. He he would uh, say, uh, "Go hard or go home." Yeah, yeah, this is it. Which we did go hard, and then I went home quite drunk. <laughs> he would say, "Don't be afraid to get a little loose, boys." Yeah, but yes, maybe not that loose. Um, anyway, in other news, um, I actually discovered that we have a new review on Apple Podcasts. Woohoo! So yeah. in November last year, um, we heard from Wob two five five Wob or Wab Wab. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he said, very engaging and informative about the Oz whiskey scene. There is a bias towards Taz whiskey, but if it were two Scots being biased towards Scotch, a second thought would not be given. A good, solid performer of a podcast. Hey. There we go. We're good, solid performers. Good, solid performer of a podcast. What does that equate us to in whiskey terms? What is it? What is a good, solid performer? Um, Glenn Farkless 15. Yeah, actually. I, I dig that. I really yeah, yeah. I really rate that as a... Uh, we'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. We are the Glenn Farkless 15 of the uh, whiskey podcasting world. Mm, indeed. Anyway, cheers for the review. And um, one last bit of business. We have a new Patreon. A new official waffler that we're going to welcome to the fold. So let us welcome. We induct you. As an official waffler. To pontificate purposefully. And verbalize verbosely. Adam, Adam, welcome along. Thank you for uh, coming on board. Yeah, no, welcome on board. We've got some um, cool stuff in the woodwork. To pontificate purposefully. And verbalize verbosely. Sam. What? Is it Sam? No, it's Adam. It's Adam. No, it's close. That's good. It's Adam, yes. (laughs) Yes, Adam. The Waffle. All right, Ted, no more Irishisms throughout this entire recording session. Can we make that rule? I think we can make that rule. <laughs> I think we've used them all up anyway. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm really excited to talk about Irish whiskey because I think we, we have not neglected it, but we just haven't been able to give it as much time as we have, I guess, Tassie drops or Australian drops. We, ha- we haven't uh, kissed it like a tourist kisses the uh, Blarney Snowden. <laughs> no, we have not. So let's, uh, let's pucker up. And get started. All right, then. First big debate that we need to get out of the way. Who invented whiskey? Is it the Irish or the Scots? Well, it was the Scots. Definitely <laughs> the Scots. Like That's for all the Scottish people listening. Yeah. Now, if you're Irish, you can unmute. Uh, definitely the Irish. The Irish. Definitely the Irish. To be sure. <laughs> oh, no. We <laughs> no, said we, we wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of debate. And I don't think this is one of these things we can just solve. But to be Sure. No, to be fair, there are records dating back um, in Ireland to 1405. 1405? Um, for some uh, early sort of this is how you make whiskey type sort of uh, situations. There are also early records in Scotland, but they're not around until about 1460s. Mm. Um, so, you know, there is that. But, you know, it was probably passed on word of mouth before that. So, like, who knows who invented it? Let's just uh, say that, you know, it's been around for a while in both countries. Yeah, but that's that's whiskey. And whiskey's a fairly specific sort of thing. Surely there's something that kind of predated it. Like, did, well, did, did the Irish actually invent the whole process of distillation? Yeah, well, no, they didn't do that. Um, uh. So, as best, the best of our knowledge, the distillation originated in the Middle East, um, and it was sort of uh, transported out of there, um, the, the more people, um, mm. but also traveling monks um, yep. in particular. In this case, Irish monks would have um, gone through the Holy Lands and mm. um, seen all this stuff that was being made and um, um, having a big piss up. No, that's, <laughs> that's not exactly how it worked at all. Um, it was medicinal. Yeah, yeah, right. There would have been, yeah, a lot of movement of these ideas and concepts going through. I mean, you had, you had Vikings traveling through um sort of the the eastern middle east so mm, there's yeah. <laughs> why, why not Irish everyone monks? was everywhere yeah um yeah so this was like a thousand years ago that the um that this knowledge was coming to ireland um it took them a couple of hundred years but they finally turned it into drink 
Um, something I could get pished with. So um, <laughs> success. Um, trust the Irish. So, yeah, and it wasn't like a, a standard whiskey as we know it today. There was no aging involved. It was, yeah, just whatever crops were left over, like grain as part of that, but it could have been, you know, vegetables and um, bits and pieces, okay, so sugars and like, things. Okay, so more like a vodka. Yeah, it's essentially a vodka. Well, yeah, um, it's flavoured as well. Often got herbs um, in there, fennels and or spices and nieces, and uh, sometimes mixed with milk. Oh, it's the good stuff, yeah. But they called it um, Ishkabaha. Ishkabaha? The water of life. The water of love. Yeah, yeah. Well, that too, after a few of them. Yeah, I feel like that milk combination is something like something called. Someone's probably going to shout at me for this, but. Uh, uh, Bailey's? Bro, bro, <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. But bros or brosh? Yeah, maybe. Something like that. Mm, it's probably. Um, a re- revitalizing sort of milk and whiskey. Yeah, yeah concoction so yeah basically it's a spirit do whatever you will with it make your cocktails um or um yeah just drink <laughs> can it you just, I, can, I just picture a, a bunch of irish monks sort of standing <laughs> standing around uh in the uh martini glasses yeah martini. <laughs> just just having after dinner or pre, pre-dinner cocktails um by the by the pool of of holy water yeah ishkabaha is a um is a gaelic word and yeah. yeah, that's what originated. Like you can have to use your imagination a bit, but ishka, ishki, ishki, whiskey. Yeah, yeah. Ishka. That's it. Um, but yes, in Ireland, the whiskey industry grew and grew and grew, and basically everyone had a still in their in their back room. They made their own stuff, but yeah, it was starting to become legalized. Like uh, people giving out licenses. Yeah, I feel like the tax man would take a dim view to having into people having a, a still in there. Well, they just figured out. Back yeah, room. this is ways. I mean. Yeah, this is ways we can make money, so let's uh, start taxing it. So, yeah, um, and there are really um, early instances of distilling licenses being handed out. The the earliest one that is still an existing distillery is Bushmills, which were granted a license to distill in 1608. Boring name. Um, yeah, but, well, <laughs> there's, a few, there's a few boring name distilleries out there. It's um, not the biggest crime. Making boring whiskey is worse than having a boring name, but... Yeah, um, so Bushmills have had the license for the longest. Technically, they weren't trading until the late 1700s. Kilbegan actually received a trading and a license halfway through the 1700s. Okay. Or, but they've only just reopened again. So mm. um, then we're talking about things like Glen Turret in Scotland, Bowmore, like these guys that were in the sort of mid to late 1700s. So mm. I don't know. I think this is another one of those debates we're never going to solve. But Bushmills can legitimate put 1608 on their bottles, which is fairly impressive. Yeah, that is a long time ago. Yeah, well, I mean... They've, a long time to be distilling. They've just done 500 years. Um, <laughs> 500 years? Yeah. That's ridiculous. I mean, on and off, but <laughs> yeah. So I've got some facts here. I'm going to have to actually... Ooh, facts me up. Yeah, yeah. By 1779, there were 1,228 legal distilleries in Ireland. Holy shit. <laughs> that is a lot of distilleries. That's a lot of distilleries. Um, when we consider, spoiler alert, there are not going to be so many in 200 years after that, but... Yeah. 1,200-ish distilleries, though. That's absolutely thriving. So, yeah, like we mentioned, taxation is starting to kick in now, and that did sort of uh, limit it. The English like to come around and collect their taxes, but they were they yeah, were internationally recognised. Yeah, it was internationally recognised, though. Irish whiskey was top dog. It was esteemed everywhere. It had a really good reputation. And part of this was actually created by, by one of the taxes, the malt tax. Malt tax. Okay, so malt. I know what malt is. Mm-hmm. It's it's barley that's been made wet and then dried and then uh, cooked and then turned into uh, into spirit. 
Uh, yes, essentially. We skipped over a few steps towards the end yeah. there. But yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a process that happens to barley to make it much more uh, amenable to uh, making a drink out of. Basically increases the uh, sugar content of the grain. So yeah, the, the English thought they would tax malt. So what did the Irish do? They um, just stuck a whole bunch of unmalted mm. barley in there to decrease mm. the percentages and therefore dodge a bit of that tax. Yeah, right. Now, I feel like I've heard of uh, what this particular product is. You have indeed one of Ireland's most famous whiskey styles, the single pot still. Single pot still, right. Yeah, um, so red breast, um, green spot, some of these examples, these modern examples that we um, we think of in this Irish pot still, partly malted, partly unmalted barley style. But yeah... Um, Irish whiskey was really, really popular because they were creating a lighter and more elegant spirit at a time where, to be fair, a lot of the stuff coming out of the British Isles was probably pretty rough. I'd say so. I mean, early, early days, it, it, it probably wasn't the thing to make a like really highly crafted, mm-hmm. beautifully sort of marketed. Yep. Yeah. Um, they didn't have the same barrel maturation process, yeah. program, finishing barrels, and uh, no master blender coming in and tasting everything to yeah. make sure it all worked out. Um, no, it was yeah. to get pissed. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yep, alcohol in it. That'll do for me. So yeah. Irish whiskey was considered um, a step up from pretty much everything else that was being made. And that is because of the way they made it. Ted, it's time to talk about the power of three. Ooh, the power of three. When shall we three meet again? <laughs> um, not that, not next, that power ne- of three? Next whiskey night, I think, is the answer to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, three... Distillations. Mm. Distillation. Mm. You basically take a big pot and you whack some uh, you whack some beer in it. You heat it up, and that evaporates the alcohol out mm. of it. Now and we keep the alcohol. We, we keep the, the alcohol. The we don't, but we don't. We don't want really want to use that first uh, distillation. No, it's about twenty eight percent and tastes yeah. like armpits. Yeah, it's got some yeah pretty gross tasting stuff in it. So we have to generally what happens. For, for the vast majority of whiskey that we tend to think of, we distill it again. Hmm. So twice distilled. Yeah, it got up to 65-ish percent. Mm. And that makes, that makes uh, we're talking about pot still whiskies here. Hmm. That makes a very sort of characterful, f- flavour-driven, um, spirit-driven uh, whiskey at the end. And like most of the Scottish stuff does that most of the australian stuff does that most of the japanese stuff american stuff yeah pretty much default around the world yeah because you know it works why do it a whole extra time yeah well (laughs) this is the question why do it a whole extra time and that's where the irish come in so what what does that third distillation do well if the second distillation takes it from a, a rougher sort of tasting um not even spirit yet but alcohol um and, and it gets much more purer and more um, nuanced and subtle um, and just still carries over the flavors you want if you do it a third time then it's just going to make it more pure more elegant more light mm, um, less flavorful potentially depends on what sort of flavors you're after mm. but the irish had specific light floral sort of characters in mind that they liked and they felt that they were much more able to achieve these notes by distilling it thrice yeah, I wonder. I wonder if that's a factor of that um, pot still style, where mm. you're using malted and unmalted yeah. barley. Maybe Some- after the um, second distillation, the unmalted stuff wasn't quite ready. You need a third. 
mm. to do it. But yeah, see my previous point, like they were perceived as the highest quality whiskey in the British Isles. Well, mm. and by extension, the world. Well, the fact that there was 1,200 odd distilleries yep. must mean that they were doing something right. Yeah, and they were shipping it out to everywhere. And actually it came at a really handy time because brandy had just suffered a massive hit. Because in France, phylloxera had just been introduced. Boo, phylloxera. come back from America. So Ted, as a biosecurity officer, um, cries a bit inside when he hears about, yeah. Yep. The lack of biosecurity when they, the American ships came back. Yeah, they didn't think of those things back in those days. So phylloxera is a, a little bug that um, it's, it's native to the Americas. It's sort of life cycle revolves around grapevines. Um, the American rootstock over there is is used to it, adapted to it, doesn't really affect it. When the uh, sort of early European settlers brought uh, grapevine rootstock from America back to Europe, they introduced phylloxera with it. European grapevines, not used to phylloxera at all, mm-hmm. absolutely decimated the industry. Like, yeah. France was, lost 95% yeah. of its vines. It was... Terrible times. They they eventually uh, restored it by introducing American rootstock and grafting it to European mm-hmm. uh, vines. Well, that's but- why in Australia we have older vines than they do in mm. most parts of France, mm. um, which is, yeah, a uh, massive irony there. But, yes, no vines mean no wine, but if we're talking spirits, that also means no brandy. Mm. So, yeah, Irish whiskey became the drink of choice with um, hobnobs and peasants alike. Yeah, interesting. Hobnobs, is that what I mean to say? I mean, you hobnob. They're a type of biscuit, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Ireland was smashing it. So why then? Why, why, why did they crash and burn so badly over the following centuries? Yeah, this is interesting. That like it's it's sounding like they're they're sort of kings of the world. Mm-hmm. What happened? Well, it wasn't one thing. It was just a series of unfortunate events, one thing after the other after the other. Snowball effect. Yeah. Well, this is it, and um, there's probably a whole bunch of other reasons too. Um, but I'll go into probably four or five of the biggest ones. Um, Let's start with um, another one of our great villains that we like to introduce um, alongside Lady Jane Franklin, these temperance leaders. So um, a man, a Catholic priest called uh, Theobald Matthew came along and founded this thing called the Cork Total Abstinence Society. So no no sex? (laughs) Um, Yeah, total abstinence. (laughs) Um, They're Catholics. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, no, he was known as the Apostle of Temperance. So absolute... Yeah, really fun guy to have at parties. But yes, so all of a sudden there was this big wave of people in the Republic of Ireland uh, not drinking because they considered it unholy. Of course, there was a lot of famine towards the end of the 1800s um, in Ireland. The potato famine is one Mm. that we mentioned. So obviously people had a lot more to worry about. If they can't feed their families, they're not exactly worrying about what whiskey to drink. So therefore more distilleries are going out of business. I would have thought you'd want to drink at the end of of the day after that. There was also, they lost their two biggest export markets. So Irish independence came along, which is great for the Irish, less great for their exports to England. Mm, I suppose Um, England wouldn't have been very impressed. So they would have gone chunk. Um, and no then exports. Yeah, moving into the 20th century. Um, so uh, another temperance movements of sorts. Uh, Prohibition in America oh, yeah. um, came along. And so no more Irish whiskey coming to America unless you are rich. Mm, mm, interesting one. So, yeah, be fa- fairly solid double whammy there. Yeah, yeah, this is it. So, you know, there's people not drinking it at home because either they, they can't afford to or they're too um, religious to. Mm. Um, the exports are gone. And then, of course, there was Scotland. Okay, okay. Scotland came along and took over 
basically took up the mantle as the world's most renowned whiskey producers. And ironically, an Irishman gave them gave them this uh, power. What? Traitor. Mm, well, he's, he's essentially. So I looked up the uh, pronunciation because we've always called him anus. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's definitely anus. <laughs> um, well, you know, that's probably what the Irish referred to him once mm. he defected to yeah. Scotland. But um, Aeneas Coffee. Aeneas. Aeneas. Well, his surname's definitely Coffee. Um, I can tell you that. He invented a new type of still. Okay. Um, sort of built on some ideas that had been created previously. But um, so yeah. We, we talked about the pot still before, which yeah, is basically, basically yeah. just a, a big pot. Yes, that's it. With, that's, a, with a lid. Yep. One way for the uh, liquid to go out. Yeah. So he basically invented this still, which is called the column still or continuous still, or we can call it the coffee still named after mm. him. Um, and basically, not the, not the anus still. Not the anus still, no. Um, although you never know. Few people might uh, like to think of it that way <laughs> because the whiskey that comes out of it tastes like ass. Yeah, so he... Um, and basically the, the column stills of today are pretty much using the exact same principles that he's done. They've just, yeah, fine-tuned it a bit. So, yeah, instead of just a single distillation out of a pot, um, has all these different chambers that encourage a lot more sort of revaporization. And is that a word, revaporization? Mm. It is now reflux. Yeah, well, reflux is the technical one. Recirculation, re, 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 if you like. Recondensation. Yeah, recirculation of the arm spirit. So yeah. it's 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 continually distilling all the way up the column, going through a whole bunch of different chambers, and therefore you're going to produce a really quickly. You're going to produce a finished spirit, and you're going to produce a lighter sort of spirit. It's more efficient, but you lose a bit of character. Mm. Um, so it's a bit of a trade-off, and yeah, so. Coffee, um, good old anus, uh, took his invention to the <laughs> to a bunch of Irish distillers, and it, it is a it is a myth that he was flatly rejected everywhere. A few people did take it up, but it's true that the big guys turned him down flat. Why wouldn't they? I mean, they're, like they're they're on top of the world at that point. They've got a they've got the most respected product in the world. Yep. And this is around 1830, so a lot of these other issues that I mentioned haven't happened yet. Mm. So yeah, one John Jameson. You might recognise that name. Um, said that he Jamos. doesn't. Jamos. said that he doesn't want any silent spirit in his good quality premium Irish whiskey. So, yeah. yeah, silent spirit was the um what they considered to come out of the column still. But you know who did want silent spirit? The quiet masses. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any quiet anything quiet about the Scots. Ah, yeah. So yeah, basically. Um, Anus took his um, invention. <laughs> Sorry, this is getting funnier every time I say it. Uh, Anus took his invention up to Scotland. They thought, hmm, this could be something that we'd do. And basically, they actually figured out. What, Anus? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and after they finished, they decided to um, take on his idea of the still. <laughs> um, and yeah, they, they got this recipe. They thought, well, if we get a maybe 50, 60, 70% of this inverted commas silent spirit, something done on a column still with grains. It's a, it's a lot. As well as being quicker, it's a lot cheaper to produce. Uh, exactly. Production costs are much less. Yeah. Um, so you get a whole chunk of that. Then you get about 20, 30, 40% of um, a pot still malt whiskey. Blend them together. And that's, yeah, that's how you make Johnny Walker. Mm. Um, well, that's how you make blend, blended Scotch whiskey. And um, yeah, it, it caught on because A, it was easy to drink pretty quickly because of the balance between the, um, the column still and the pot still. But also, it was cheaper. Yeah, cheaper to make, More cheaper to sell, faster. Mm. And so, yeah, it just took over. Made it made an acceptable product at an acceptable price. Mm, yeah, basically, and um, yeah, that continued pretty much all throughout the twentieth century. Well, at least going into the later stage of it. But um, this is a history of Irish whiskey, not Scottish whiskey. So, uh, so, Anus brings Scotland the coffee still. 
Scotland takes that on big time and uh, they they start to pump out masses of blended whiskey. Surely that didn't go well for the Irish. Uh, no, no, this is it. That was um one of the one of the big, I guess, reasons that it, it lost its place in the market. It, it's a competitive world and they lost the competition. Okay, so there's 1,200-ish odd distilleries before. In 1780, yep. How many distilleries do you think there were 200 years later? Oh, I don't know. 20, 30? <laughs> Lower. 10-ish? <laughs> Lower. Five? <laughs> Keep going. What? Two? Two. Two? You're absolutely right. There were two distilleries. Because like a few of the remaining ones, they combined together to form to form one. So there was Bushmills up in Northern Ireland. They were they were still ticking along, 1608 onwards. Like uh, Down south, we had um, Jamison's Distillery, Powers, which we're drinking tonight, mm. Cork Distilling. Um, they combined together to form a business called Irish Distillers. Um, they all relocated down to Cork and they built a new distillery there and they called it Middleton, yeah, well, which is still I, operating. I'm, I'm sure that I've heard of more than one Irish brand though with, within sort of not too distant uh, past times. So. Yeah, well, no, you're exactly right. And that's the interesting thing because even though they just had one distillery, that didn't mean they just had one brand. Mm. They were producing all sorts of stuff. And this is the thing, at the, about 1970... The Irish whiskey industry was pretty much dead. Like they weren't, you know, they weren't six feet under just yet. But they're on life support. There was a there was a priest hanging around to to read the Catholic last or Protestant. And, um, <laughs> um, Bushmills was um, Protestant <laughs> and uh, Middleton was Catholic. <laughs> but yeah, they um they did start producing these different brands. So um, Jamison's, of course, is coming out of Middleton Distillery. We mentioned Powers and Paddies, which I always get confused. Yeah. And then later we have these single pot stills coming out, like the Red Breasts, the Green Spots. Um, but yeah, they just all happen to be made at Middleton. Mm. But at least it kept the interest there. These were the foundations on which the modern Irish whiskey industry was able to build. And this is where the good news comes back in. Woo! Um, head of a bloke called John Teeling, Ted. Yes. Yes. Um, I've met him. Have you? Yeah, I think I have. Yeah. Or I yeah, I, there is I have, definitely. I think I've, he has a son called John Teeling. I well. have met Anne Teeling. Oh yeah, nice one. Because you've been to a distillery under that name. Which I have been to. We will get Teeling to a distillery. Um, but did you know that Teeling was not the first distillery that John Teeling built? Yeah. Right. Um. So John Teeling um was one of the founders of Cooley Distillery. Rubber. Um. Yeah. And that's our tasting note. So Connemara made it Cooley Tiraconnell. Yeah. Uh, made there as well. Kilbegan until they've reopened were made there. So yes, um, distinct tasting that coming out of Cooley. Yeah, then he um, yeah went off to do some other things, which we'll talk about in a moment. Perno Ricard bought Irish distillers as well. Frenchies. Yeah, and money. Um, so they pushed Jamisons right into market, and all of a sudden that was in bars in America everywhere. So how Jamisons got its groove back? <laughs> yeah, but you know that's when it all all kicked off in a way that we've been seeing here in Tassie, dude. Like. Mm. More and more distilleries opening up. So um, in, uh, yeah, I mentioned in the 80s, there was three, maybe four sort of starting to come on board. By 2019, there were 25. 25? Um, yep. By 2022, our friend the Whiskey Nut. Whiskey Nut. On his website, um, he's compiled a list of 76. 76? Yeah. Um, again, this is a familiar story, Ted. This, this is, is very familiar. Parallels between Ireland and Tasmania here. And yeah, they're smashing it. They're just growing. They're going from strength to strength. In the last 10 years, their sales have gone up 140%. They're the, the fastest growing in any spirit category. Yeah, right. But yeah, the one that I'm most excited for is the one created by John Teeling, his second distillery. 
um, which yeah. I do believe you have been to. Jake. I have been to Teeling. <laughs> the self-titled distillery. Yep. Yes, it is in Dublin. Uh, still, the distillery itself is doing some exciting things. Mm. And um, that's why, like, we could have gone for, like, a classic um, Irish style tonight for our review whiskey, but we did the Red Breast not that long ago. So we've gone for something completely funky, something from Teeling. Um, but let's uh, let's save telling what it is until the review. Dingle should do a a merger or a collaboration or something with Berry Bros and Rudd, and then <laughs> then they could have Dingleberries. Dingleberries. <laughs> uh, I bet I would fly off the shelves. Dead. Sell like hotcakes. Um, sell like hernia cream. Um, yeah. <laughs> the whiskey. Okay then, dude. So Teeling, uh, they do a bunch of different releases. Um, some yeah, I feel some like aged, some aged, some standard. Uh, this one is not just a regular release. I feel like over the years I've seen this whole varied panoply of Teeling releases. I think mm. I think they had a a whole bunch of stuff that wasn't actually distilled at Teeling, like earlier releases that have been distilled at other at other sites and then released under the Teeling brand. And so yeah, you can you find different. Terminolo- terminologies on the bottles. Yeah, so this one is called um, Teeling Whiskey Single Grain Irish Whiskey, aged 13 years, Bordeaux Red Wine. Okay. single. Okay, so single grain. Let's talk that first. Yeah, so single grain, it's a sort of... Um, it's a sort of a common misconception that single grain is like um, made with entirely wheat or made with entirely corn. Mm. Um, single grain is exactly the same thing as saying single malt because a single just refers to the facts from a single distillery. Grain means that probably there are multiple types of grain in there. Mm. So it's like a blend, but it's from the same distillery. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think that, well, it doesn't specifically say there could be some malted, unmalted barley in there. There could be some wheat in there. could be some corn in there. Um, I'll do some research because I'm curious to know. Yeah, I mean, is this is this just a different way of saying a an Irish pot still? I, I don't think so because I think they would have um said it if it was. Mm. So yeah, it's been aged in ex bourbon casks for a chunk of time, but being four years matured in ex Bordeaux red wine casks. Yeah, okay. So red wine that's mm. that's going to give us some fairly specific and a fairly specific color as well. Tell me, tell me about Bordeaux. Bordeaux is um, in the south of France. It's on the sort of west coast sort of region. It's warmer than, um, say, your Champagne region, your Loire. So the most famous grapes grown there, Cabernet, Merlot, um, Cabernet Franc, um, Malbec. So fairly gutsy. Yeah, these reds make up the Bordeaux blend, and it is, yeah, the strongest, most um, bold red flavors that come out of France. Yeah, okay, so... I'm just I'm just having a bit of a sniff of this now. I'm getting a lot of dankness. Mm. Yeah. It's it's definitely com- compared to the powers which we had before which which we didn't actually really talk about that much, but the powers no, had a very clean very clean, very light, very fruity sort of flavor. Mm. This is damp and dank. Yeah, funky. Funky. A lot of uh match smoke. A lot of sulfur, which I reckon is that that red wine cask influence. Um, potentially, I mean, it could also be potentially that the um, um the single grainness, the grainness. But um, often like old wine barrels do give a sort of a dankness that mm. we refer to. Sometimes I get soapiness from it, but yeah, we're only going from the nose so far. So I'm I'm actually starting to itch to have a taste. So. Yeah. Right. You you won't be offended if I if I jump in with a slip. 
Let's let's slurp. Should be a catchphrase. Let's slurp. <laughs> now, what does that remind me of? Uh very very um ripe berries, mm. muskets or um not not the guns the uh, <laughs> the dried fruit yeah. prunes, um, dried prunes. Mm. A lot a lot of like really rich intense dried fruit. You know what it makes me think of? You're gonna mm. think I'm crazy. Because I, and I haven't had it for years, but I bought it once for your birthday. A Japanese whiskey by the distillery Mars. Yeah, I've still got some. Yeah, but that reminds me of of this somehow. And I don't know why. There's just some weird... Fi- we will have to go try yeah, it. I know, to- it's probably completely different, but my memory says... Mm. But the thing that this does not remind me of is uh, Irish whiskeys. Mm. <laughs> no, this is a very sort of rich, funky, fruity affair. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of um, fruit leather and caramel... To- not caramel toffee mm. yeah they're just they're obviously trying to do something different and they've achieved that as well they um, imagine going through a tasting of um, Irish style whiskies and then getting this one at the end like mm. you know. uh, it's 50% as well yeah I was so, going to ask you for some, some stats life. stat me up yeah well I mean I've gone through most of the stats nine years in bourbon th- four years in Bordeaux okay 50% single grain and I've actually just been looking that up and I've just found it actually um, so predominantly from maize Mm. Corn. That's where you get those uh, fat, fruity, sweet, yeah, really intense flavours from, I think. Yeah, that yeah. corn. It's... They're not trying to be bourbon, though, are they? It's not no. like a Western Australian whiskey. It reminds me a bit of maybe um, some West Woodlands. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bit of that, bit of that corn, bit of that sort of uh, wine cask. Mm. Yeah, it, it's different. Yeah, no, it is. It's... um. Just got this um, this sort of edge to it. I, I feel like, you know, it, it's definitely can carry out a really polite conversation. But if, you know... It, you it'll, get, if, it'll tell a dirty joke as, at well, the same time. This is it. And, you know, if you get into a fight in the back alley, you want this guy on your side, not, in there, not yeah. on theirs. I think the corn gives it a mouthfeel. Like it's sort of, mm. it's, it's a bit fat and gooey over your tongue. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It, has, it has that really broad rich sweetness that you get out of um, corn-based spirits. Yep. Whereas you think that powers that we just had is a bit mm. more um, central, a bit more thinner across your tongue. And it's neither a good nor a bad thing. It's just that you experience it in a different way. Mm. This is a very rich whiskey. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the question, I guess, is, is is it a good whiskey? Yes. Yeah? I like it. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind it either. It's one of those ones that you scratch your head a bit to start with mm. and then... Um, yeah, you go on to thinking, yeah, actually, this has got something about it. So I'm really curious to know what our patrons make of this one. We'll have to get this one posted this week. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of complex flavors going on there. Mm. It's a very bold forward whiskey. Yeah. I don't feel like the 50% is overpowering it. I feel like that is complimentary. I'm not going like, ooh, whew, that's, a bit, that's a bit hot or that's a bit... Yeah sort of spicy on the alcohol front. I feel like it's complementary to the richness of the flavours that's going on there. Yeah, no, I think so. Sometimes um, 50% can, you know, come across as more of a, you know, lively sort of thing, whereas I think this is flavour first and alcohol second. Yeah. And, yeah, lots of, I mean, just having more sips and more sulphur comes along. T-Child will be pleased. Mm. Yeah, I know. Well, he's going to get some in the mail, so... Mm. Yeah, see what he makes of it. Teacherad, tell us what you think. How does this stack up against your uh, your favourite bourbons? Uh, nice. It's time to put a, a number on this, though, Ted. 
Uh, yes, if you would like to call me, it's uh, yeah. 04. <laughs> For me, it's it's a three, but it's a pretty strong three. Yeah, I think it's a definitely solid three. I don't think it necessarily tips over into the uh, into the terrain of four, no. but it is it is a fascinating and complex. It's one. The drink. more I drink, the more I like it too. So it's it's. If we not- had a second or third round, then maybe be like, yeah, five stars. Whack five stars on it, mate. Yeah, that's well, that's what we sound like when we get drunk. We just become bogans. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a flavor profile that I've really experienced before from Ireland at all, and not no. like not something I've really experienced from elsewhere either. It's no, well, we probably this is it. We haven't ex- experienced it done well. Mm. Outside of um, America, and yeah, and they pro- do pro- proper bourbons. They, you know, they this, do what they do and they do it well. I think this is one of the best uh, sort of bourbon corn heavy corn. He- yeah, yeah, bourbon esque. Whiskies I've had. Mm. Yep. Yeah, no. So it's probably an untapped thing to explore what mm. you can do with corn whiskey because in bourbon, you know, brand new oak, yeah. virgin oak, um, it's only just starting that people like uh, John Teeling or Jack Teeling, I think is the son who, who's the um, the creator of this one, uh, making sure he's got the non-chill filtered um, slammed across the top there. So yeah, guys like this creating some really interesting and dare I say very unique trams. Oh, you dead. And I hate <laughs> you for it. You know, I texted T. Trout the other night. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I'd had a few drinks and, and I was missing him. And um, I was just thinking about our tasting coming up and the power of three. And, we, you know, we could have a yeah. third person involved. And I texted him. But, yeah, no, unable to make it. Um, uh. Yeah, some important family commitments for T. Trout. But just uh, letting him know that we're thinking of him. And we'll get him up for a tasting night one of these days. Mm-hmm. Um, although he's our nemesis, so we'll have to kill him at the end. <laughs> yeah. Defeat him. Defeat him. Yeah. That's 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 going to be a pretty wild night. Yeah. <laughs> it was very interesting. Um, I had a bit of a disappointing experience with it. Um, I paid for the sort of the top flight tour, which like all the all the previous bit, it's all the same. You just sort of go around the distillery. They show the top you the- flight tour. Is that like um tour of the golf courses? Yes. Uh, yes, that's yeah. right. Um, that's a golf joke for you golfers out there. No, they take you around the distillery, but then I pay for the uh, like the fancy tasting. The fancy tasting. Um, now all the people with, with the uh, with the Povo tour got the um, or tours got the uh, the dirty cheap uh, Glen Cairn glasses, <laughs> whereas I, on my posh top top flight tour. Got the uh, expensive, uh, expensive um, tumblers. Ah, oh, you got the chunky tumblers. Yes, <laughs> I think they might have even been like, uh, like uh, coffee. Um, oh, like the latte gu- glasses. Latte glasses, oh, perhaps wow. something like. That. I can't really yeah. remember, but <laughs> yeah. Suffice to say, I was a little, little bit annoyed. Drum in the box. So we received a box. We opened it a little while ago, actually, but we've been saving to saving the recording for a for an Irish themed episode to talk mm. about it. So this is a new Irish whiskey that they've sent us a couple little samples of. And Ted, it's like he was there when we opened it the first time, but he's forgotten what it is. I, so. I, which box is this? <laughs> we do get a couple of boxes. The name of the box, well, not the name of the box. <laughs> the name of the whiskey. <laughs> Is silky. Ah, silky, yes. Yes. Yes, um, right. The Irish whiskey, um, silky, or the legendary silky, as it says on oh, these yes. small little tasting bottles that we have, um, with the siren-like logo they have of the um, the silky woo, drawing woo, sailors to their deaths. Woo. So they've actually sent oh, no, us... Not that sort of siren. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
No. A wooga, a wooga. Yeah, yeah. Big That's what you mean. Classic. <laughs> So um, they've actually sent us two little um, sample bottles, one for their the legendary silky and one for their the legendary dark silky. Nice. I do believe which is a piece of expression. So, yeah, we might um, open them up. But they've actually they came with goodies. Goodies? Yeah, there's a few goodies. So once you buy your silky bottle, um, they've got a little uh, bottle stop for it with the, um, with the mermaid-style uh, logo on that and a thing to get it out again once it's permanently stuck in there. A aerating pourer with a label on there. Because um, we we want well aerated whiskey. That's it. <laughs> well, neck that, pour test. Yeah, there's a neck pour. Yeah, how you overcome the neck pour? Um, I don't know. This looks like a little um, lanyard thing, but what is it? Hang on, it's a telescope. It's telescopic with a thing in it. Oh, it's a straw. It's a straw with it's a, a metal straw. It's, it's a straw with a straw cleaner. The straw cleaner. Yeah. What I mean, that's cute. But what do we need a straw for? If, is it to draw stuff out of a barrel, or are they implying that we're drinking our whiskey with a straw? Maybe that's how you meant to meant to drink this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is it. Um, stick it into the bottle, have a slurp. Hmm. Oh, it's a camping. Okay, so this one is another yeah. telescopic thing. It's actually a little um, dram glass. Yeah. Um, that's actually kind of cool. I like that. So came a little um, keyring sort of thing, but then uh, maybe you know a few centimeters tall, but then it telescopes out, and you got a little dram glass. That's kind of good. Don't mind that. Cheers, Silky. There was one other thing they sent us as well. Oh, yes. Got a T-shirt. A T-shirt. Oh, yes, that's right. Have to wear that one. There there are, as you mentioned before, a siren, a mermaid-y looking thing. I feel like their interpretation of Silky, Silky, Selky. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong. Well, I think think it's called, it's it definitely says Silky with an I on the bottle, but I've heard it as silky with an e but maybe that's maybe that's like the scottish um pronunciation but i feel like theirs is a little bit sort of uh little mermaid whereas i do believe that in the mythology uh silky selkies are seal folk they were people who could turn into seals so less less the little mermaid and more sort of a, yeah the seals are less sexy ted yeah don't sell as many bottles Ch- chunky blubbery Sea mammal. That's me in a bath. <laughs> anyway, um, this is made at the Slav Lech Distillery. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> uh, might stick some of that uh, attempt to pronounce it later on in the episode. Um, yeah, which is in Donegal, in uh, yeah, the first whiskey distillery there in many, many years. So where is Donegal? Yeah, I'm just looking that up now. Um, so it's a county, and it's in Northern Ireland. Okay, okay. It's, uh, it's basically the whole... Um, western Donegal. western side of Northern Ireland. Yeah, Donegal, the town, is on one of the big inlets. Mm. Sort of, yeah, close-ish to the border, but still firmly in Northern Ireland. And so, um, Silky, not not too uh, badly priced. Mm. They're, they're a newcomer to um, the Australian scene. The Silky, just the basic Silky, goes for 73 bucks. Oh. The dark goes for eighty-five bucks, mm-hmm. so definitely sub a hundred at yep. any rate. Yeah, and interestingly, I think they are a blend. I think well, at least a you know a bit of grain, a bit of um malt, a grain of truth. Mm. Well, they actually on their website they have the recipe. Oh, do they? Tell us more. Tell us more. Well, so we are happy to share the natural color, silky blend recipe. So this this is the this is the uh, just the silky Irish whiskey which we have some of. 
so they have some single malt triple distilled non-peated bourbon 13 uh 13% of that double distilled sherry 13% of that triple distilled single malt that's been peated bourbon barreled 4% of that then they have maize triple distilled maize in virgin oak um 35% and maize triple distilled in rechar barrel 35% of that dude am, am i the only one here with an erection right now <laughs> <laughs> stats <laughs> no come on i love that level of detail that yeah. is amazing I can also tell you uh, what's in the dark. Yeah, leaf. the dark. So the second one that's in there. Okay, so that, that so, one. So yeah, there was a little bit of peated in the in the legendary silky. So the dark one has the black label. Less, less components to it. So it's got single malt. It's been double distilled, non-peated in sherry, 15% of that. Single malt that's been triple distilled and peated to 55 parts per million yep. in bourbon, mm-hmm. 15% of that. Yep. And then the remaining 70% is uh, maize uh, column still, non-peated in virgin oak. I'm going to have to have a cold shower. This level of stats is getting me really oh, excited. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> get, get ready to hit yourself in the face because um, MB, malt peated to 55 parts per million. The carryover of phenols in triple distillation is approximately 22 parts per million on the 15% of the blend composition. <laughs> I just came. <laughs> Man. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, no. Um, this, like, okay, whiskey nerds are on board. Um, that's, um, yeah, really, really interesting that they've, um, yeah, told us a bit about it. I'm, I'm on the um, the legendary, just the um, the regular one. But I am noticing there's a bit of um, coastal sort of peat in there. Oh, it's really, it's really chocolatey. Mm. It's got a lot of funk. But light, light chocolatey, um, almost sort of uh, chocolate biscuits or something. So you know how salted caramel is a thing. Is, I have, I do believe, yes. Yeah, yeah. There is evidence out there. Um, <laughs> the truth is out there. <laughs> <laughs> salted chocolate is that a thing? Yeah, um, Dutchies, Dutchies would. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm getting. Chick Chicos. Oh right. Yeah, yeah. a little like. Uh, uh, non-PC uh, <laughs> um, uh, jelly babies. change the name, I think. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Cheekies, I think they're called. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so different to everything we've had tonight. Mm, salty. Um, salty yeah. on the palate. I mean, it is battered by the Atlantic. Mm. And then deep fried. Mm. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Would be if it was in Scotland. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Well, before this section goes on for too long, let's um let's have a go at the um dark. Yeah, let's do that. So this one is fifteen percent peated, and this was a more heavily peated. Fifty-five percent. Ma, but only twenty-two percent if you cut triple distillation. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah, yeah. There's peat on the nose. Not um. Yeah, it's not. Not it, Isla. <laughs> yeah, definitely not Isla. It's not. Although in terms of as... lo- like proximity, like if anywhere is going to be able to produce the similar conditions to Isla. West Coast and Northern Ireland. Herbs and uh, tar. Herbs and tar, yeah. Shall we give it a try? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was about to say, why is this called the dark one? But just at the very end, the very mm. end it comes in. Oh, it's got a really long, salty finish, actually. Mm. Yeah, this is it. I think, like, I was a bit like, eh, yeah, okay, yeah. And then all of a sudden at the end, I was like, okay, yep, mm. now I get it. It's, it's got a um, much oilier palette to it. 
I can't remember where we mentioned Ben Nevis, whether it was this segment or another one. That's we mentioned right. Ben Nevis at some point tonight. We did. And I feel like this one is more Ben Nevisy. Yeah, well, we mentioned Ben Nevis and you didn't call them bastards, so you're obviously cooling. <laughs> yeah, they are bastards, though. <laughs> there we go. Those playing alone at home, you can drink now. No, um, this one took me by surprise. I was initially thinking underwhelming compared to the first one, but actually, this is all right as well. Mm. They're actually, yeah, interesting whiskies. And again, they, these are not what I think of when I think of Irish whiskies. I don't think no. of this coastal sort of um, salt-driven, hint of peat, hint of, yeah, like salted chocolate. <laughs> yeah, in, ter- in terms of, say, like the Connemara, doesn't make me think of that. No, this is better than Connemara. Mm. Controversial statement for you Connemara fans out there, but I just like meh. Anyway, uh, silky. Mm. I like this. Yeah, it's very think, drinkable, and they are very reasonably priced as mm. well. Front under a well under a hundred bucks. Yep. I actually think that um a few of our patrons will get a chance to try it. Um, we're going to send this one out to our tasting panelists this yeah. week. So we've got a couple of tasting panelists. They get a few drams from us each month, so we'll um we'll send them some of this one as well because yeah, Silky were nice enough to provide us with uh, a couple of um tasting uh jars and we only got through part of them. So yeah, yeah. we'll send some to our tasting panelists. It's not a thing, is it? Peter Iris whiskey. Well, Maybe not previously, but it's it's potentially becoming more of a thing. We I actually am holding a bottle in my hand from Teeling, who we have mentioned before, yeah. which we will be trying at our uh, triple distilled night this week. Yeah, called Black Pits. Black Pits. That sounds. I mean, the dark, silky. You know, uh, g- gives an impression. The Black Pits. Yeah. Yeah, it smacks you around the face with it. Um, it's a very black-looking tin. Um, black-looking bottle. Yeah. Uh, it's 46%, a uh, mixture of bourbon and Sautern. <laughs> As you do. So it's not Sautern. Sautern. Sautern? Oh, mum. <laughs> mum, you're going to be so disappointed in this. <laughs> After you drilled it into me the other night. <laughs> um, no, this is, this is our new thing. We just pronounce it wrong every time it comes up. Yeah. Saturners. <laughs> yeah. Saturners. Saturners. <laughs> Speaking of Whiskey Nut, he actually got in contact with us Did he? recently. Yeah. We we used to speak fairly often, but uh, it's been a. Yeah, back in the blog days when we used to update that every week, we used to put a different article up. Hey, who, who hey, Whiskey for that? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Whiskey Nut. Uh, Dave. I, Dave, we we know that you don't listen to the podcast. No, um, but no, well, this is it. He asked what we we're up to, and we had to tell him all about the podcast, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was sort of like, "Oh, why are you? What's what's happened to the blog? Where have you guys gone?" And then we we're like, "Ah, uh, yeah, about that. We've been actually pod, podding more recently." Yep. Anyway, um, we had we he wrote us an email. Uh, I wrote him one back. He's given us a, a bit of a reply, but I just I just wanted to um, I sort of asked him what his thoughts of the um uh the Irish whiskey industry. Oh, yeah. Uh, these days. He said, um, I keep going back to the whole coffee still issue in the 1830s. Irish held onto their premium product while Scotch developed the perceived cheaper blends, which, yeah, is exactly what we were saying before. Given that the cheaper blends built, maintained, and overtook the premium, premium products for 150 years and are still the mainstay of the industry today speaks a lot to me. Um, my latest purchase was Power's Rye, so okay. we've got just powers. powers yeah. We've we've had the powers gold label tonight. He's he's uh, powers rye, coming in at forty euro. What's that in Australian money? Uh, sixty 
bucks. Yeah, so that's not too bad. Even if an increased price than the than the thirty euro below entry blends, accessible and opens up Irish drinkers to the world of rye. Mm. It's already clear loads of drinkers are experiencing rye for the first time with this big brand offering. It's actually a pretty solid and good tasting rye, which rather than a limited release exclusive will hopefully become a core release available everywhere. To me, this new offering has the ability to become a world-recognised alternative to the barley base that Irish whisky is commonly viewed as. That's very curious. Mm. The sun is setting on St Paddy's Day and it is time to say goodnight to our fellow wafflers. Goodnight, fellow wafflers. Apologies again for the small gap in between um recordings um we did record more but um yeah just was not releasable so at some stage throughout the year there'll be a like a double episode month um, yeah as it as it turns out we got pished and yeah which never happens at these recording <laughs> sessions never yeah look it's been an interesting night talking about irish whiskey i've i feel like we have only scratched the surface, and I feel mm. like we haven't drunk enough Irish In terms whiskey. of tasting, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is it. Tonight we covered the history. Tonight we've got us up to about the present, roughly, mm. give or take. Let's let's take it from now, because Whiskey Waffle is really about the here and now, the, the new industry, the new world. The zeitgeist. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> but no, I feel we are... We're cool. Yeah. <laughs> we're new world whiskey people. Like, we love tradition. We love, you know, the, the history. But um, we're excited about what these new distilleries are creating because we spend a lot of our time talking about what happens in our home country here. One of the things that I've discovered tonight is there is a lot of similarities between Ireland and Tasmania. Like, through to we're just talking about experimenting with Pete. Like, Tassie is doing that right now. We also both really like potatoes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I spend most of my time in Sassafras, best potatoes in the, in the country, maybe world except for Ireland. So, yep, we're on a similar journey, Ireland. So, have we got any Irish listeners? I feel this is the episode for the Irish Dave, listeners. Dave, listen to <laughs> listen to the pod. Anyone else? Surely someone in Ireland listens to the pod. And if so, get in touch with us. Social media, Instagram, we check quite regularly. Twitter, we never check, so don't don't talk to us on that anymore. Facebook, Ted checks. Yes. Um, or send us a carrier pigeon. Yeah. Or even an email, whiskeywaffle at gmail dot com. Yeah. No, seriously, if um, if you're from Ireland, get in touch and let us know all the things we got wrong in our history section. Yeah, we're gonna get slammed. Yeah. We generalised a bit. But. <laughs> Two recent Irish experiences. One was a redhead, one was a blonde. A blue, actually. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, so I recently got two different bottles of Irish whiskey. One was pretty good, really. The other one was shite. Have I tried these? Yes. Oh, there was the um, uh, the Bushmills. Yes. The Bushmills. It was a 16-year-old. Which I thought, yeah, 16-year-old. It was a very good price at Uncle Dan's. Mm. It was one of the most boring-ass whiskeys I bland, ever wasn't it? It was tasted. It was, it was so bland and so disappointing. On and the I've, plus side, 1608. Yeah, 1608. It feels like it's been sitting around since then and just <laughs> mouldering away. It was, the other one that was much more exciting, though, stunning packaging, stunning bottle, Cool, cool sort of, uh, cool modern. Cooly? No, not not cooly. Very, very funky modern, uh, zeitgeisty sort of mm. bottle. Um, was Waterford, 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 blue, bright blue bottle with really cool funky ribbing on it. Uh, I had the Hookhead one point one release, which 
I think I think it's like a very terroiry sort of thing. Like it's it's the uh, grain from a a single uh, origin point. It was yeah, interesting, mm. interesting juice. Well, I got the um, I got the one with the puffin on the front. Was it puffin? Puffin? You I don't know. You got it for me. What's on the front? It's just down there. Oh, you're very wrong there, sir. It was in fact a. A dead rabbit. A oh, dead rabbit. <laughs> Gosh, there's a fro- Freudian slip about the state of the puffin species. I don't, I don't uh, no, know how you got... La- Lamptey, Lamptey do puffins. So I got a dead rabbit from you, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, it's fine. Um, I think the, the silky's better than the dead rabbit. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Hmm. Yeah, dead rabbit's a, a blend, I think. Hmm. But um, no, um, no, you're right. We've scratched the surface now and hmm. it's just coming out. And Australia's just starting to receive some more. Like mm. the Silkies one, but there's a few more starting to come into the country. So, yeah, we recommend to you guys at home, check out what is going on. What are the new stuff coming out from Ireland to Australia? Or if you're in Ireland, well, just live the dream. Well, I, I will say that last time I was in Uncle Dan's, there seemed to be a, a major expansion of their Irish section and some brands that I'd never even heard of before. Well, we said it before, Ted, the most rapidly growing spirit category in the world. So I think that's a lovely place to leave it. Yeah. We're living in the the Southern Hemisphere, Ireland, or they're living in the Northern Hemisphere, Tasmania. I don't know which. Yeah. Hey, guys, if you have tried some Irish whiskey recently um, that you really liked or haven't really liked, maybe you've tried something that, like that Bushmill 16, hmm. yeah, made you feel pretty sad, let us know. We'll be really interested to hear. What, what are your recommendations? Mm, because, you know, Ted doesn't need much convincing to buy new bottles. <laughs> to be sure. <laughs> there we go. All right, enough of that. Let's wind this thing up. Thank you for listening, everybody. I've been Nick. I've been Ted. And, uh, yeah, keep on waffling. Good night. Whiskey Waffle recommends you drink whiskey responsibly and only if you're above the legal drinking age in your country. Our lawyers made us say that. Or at least, they would have if we actually had lawyers. Dude, am am I the only one here with an erection right now? (laughs) (laughs) Stats.